everybody and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby and if you're brand new to this show, the show is all about a little one on card game called Magic the Gathering. So on today's episode, we brought on Ashiden, aka the lead developer of Wayfarer. It is a new Magic the Gathering format, a cooperative Magic the Gathering format. Yes, you heard that right. It's played very similar to like role playing a magic game. And Ashiden can explain it way better than I can. And we went on an almost two hour talk discussing nothing but Wayfarer. So if you have a lot of questions on what it is and how to play it and all that, trust me, I feel like I asked every single question I could ask. And yeah, it, it I'm, I'm definitely interested for sure. Definitely interested in playing it. So I, I implore you if you're interested, you know, go and listen to the entire episode. It sounds like a lot of interesting stuff here and, and look them up too, because they, I'm, there's gotta be some gameplay videos out there. There's an introduction video that sort of showcases like how, how it gets played. But before we even get into that, uh, let's get some announcements out of the way. Uh, you can help support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash magicwithzuby. You can find this podcast on every podcast platform out there. I, if there's one that we're not on, let me know and I'll, I'll slap it on there. I mean, sheesh, I, I don't even know what podcast app we're not on. That could probably be a much smaller list than the, app, the apps we are on. Um... We, you can also find me on Twitter at Magic with Zuby, on Instagram at Magic underscore with underscore Zuby. You can find me on TikTok at MTG Zuby. You can email me with any questions you may have at MTGZuby at gmail.com. And we are sponsored by Cardsphere.com, the best place to buy, trade, and sell your magic singles and sealed product. And we are also sponsored by Alter Sleeves. You can use coupon code MAGICWITHZUBY on checkout to help support the stream. And we are working on getting Patreon-exclusive tokens. And we are going to be working on getting some Alter Sleeves, like custom Alter Sleeves for your decks as well. So without further ado, help me welcome Ashton to the show. And let's learn about Wayfind. I mean, Wayfarer. Everybody, Zuby here, and I have with me Ashadin, one of the, I think you are the lead dev of Wayfarer, the sort of storytelling variant of EDH. Yes, yes I am. Oh, thank you for coming on. Um, so uh, I brought you on because I know th this whole Wayfarer, I'm going to try not to call it Wayfinder. <laughs> I don't even know what Wayfinder is, but it just feels like it's going to slip off the tongue. Um, right. But Wayfarer is, I've seen this going around, and I watched one of your intro videos of it. Uh, it's sort of like a, uh, well, how would you describe Wayfarer, actually? Let's start with you, because you're the one who designed this, or one of the okay. people. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> as announced, of course, I am Ashton, the lead developer of Wayfarer. And Wayfarer is basically, um, if you want to boil it down to the essence of what it is, it's story mode for magic the gathering so okay. you can play it single player you can play it multiplayer we built it for uh three players in, playing with pre-constructed commander decks 
uh, up against the main player that is the storyteller, essentially the dungeon master for the entire story called the Scrivener. Okay. And uh, it's very similar to Arch Enemy in that way. Okay. Okay, so is it only meant for pre-con decks, or can you can you bring any EDH deck with you? So, or? Yeah, so um, with, with Wayfarer, when we first started developing it back in April, we, we wanted to target a specific uh, kind of like base level for everybody to be able to play and hitting those pre-constructed decks i think was probably the smartest idea because anybody could just grab a deck off of let's say like a shelf at a local game store if the person has the the uh, scrivener deck for the wayfarer games they could just go right from there right that was the idea and we tune the entire content to go for that specific playstyle where it's a lower power level in commander and you can definitely play with your own homebrew decks as well if you want to do it now you can play with your higher power level decks if you want to as well but you might just steamroll through the content if you do that so <laughs> okay so describe a little bit about like what the scrivener is and and what kind of cards are involved with it because a lot of them are custom made cards right Yes, yeah, so for the Scrivener themselves, and this is something that uh, also limits the amount of difficulty in uh, learning the format, because uh, we do have custom cards, but they're entirely for the Scrivener, for the most part. Uh, the players that actually play with their Commander decks, they really don't have to do anything else besides pick a specific new kind of card type that we're calling Spark Emblems which okay. gives them special abilities. And so the Scrivener, of course, has their own custom cards, which are based on a specific story that we're trying to tell in uh, Wayfarer's specific journeys, which is what we call our whole multi-episode storyline that we put out. And those, of course, give the challenge. They give the interesting plot points that the Wayfarers go through when they're playing uh, against the Scrivener. So, so you, you're talking a lot about a story, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, obviously with the D&D &D set that just came out, it, it's sounding very similar to trying to run like a, you know, kind of offshoot D&D &D module, right? Uh, how, how do you describe, you know, someone who's just coming in hearing about this and, you know, it sounds interesting, but how would you describe like what do you mean exactly by a story per se like because when i think of magic it's just all right we'll turn people sideways and just attack and win you know uh so with wayfarer we wanted to have and this is something that has been really resonant with the community as we continue to you know develop it is that there just doesn't seem to be a kind of way to role play a little bit while you're playing with the cards now the cards themselves are kind of built for a competitive play where you're usually playing against one other person or if you're playing in a commander pod you're playing against three other people and there's some kind of flavor there but we kind of wanted to take it further where of course you're now playing with a group of people that are going together in a story and they're having the cards themselves have more to do with the flavor text we have prompts for the scrivener that they can read before every scene 
which is a, a big part of uh, Wayfair's design in general, is that we have a new card type called Scenes, which actually set the uh, gameplay up for the players, but also give that crucial plot point of why are you here? What is going on? How can you progress past this problem that's in front of you and then of course unlock more story by doing so get to the next scene and continue on with the overarching plot that's going on with what you're playing in so so describe like a a problem if you can like like give a little scenario of you know i I sit down i play and what i'm what am i going up against because like I said, I think for most Magic players, it's going to be a little bit hard. Obviously, the video you did is very good. Um, but for people watching and listening to this, they're going to be like, what do you mean by story? <laughs> right. Because it's just right. Because it, it just off the bat, it's sounding very reminiscent of, um, oh, God, what's that one little commander variant horde mode? I think it's called Yes. Um, where you have like, you know, a bunch of tokens and stuff. And it, it's essentially arch enemy. You have the one person playing this giant token deck and you got to beat them and all that right. stuff. And so what what is it that people are doing exactly? Okay. So, um, yeah, like, like I said, after they have their commander decks and they start off and they're given the story, uh, the scene cards, of course, give them a kind of puzzle. That's the gameplay that they're going to be going through is they start off, they, they play the game as normal. You know, they play their lands, they play their spells, their creatures, Mm -hmm. but the scene gives them a little bit of a puzzle they have to get through. So for example, and just to give an example, like you asked for, uh, the very first, uh, episode of our, first content which is uh, based on Arcavios where Strixhaven School of Mages is uh, the very first episode is you have to get to Strixhaven and uh, the first scene shows up with a bunch of the beacons that people may remember reading about uh, in the magic story and things like that we like to expand on those concepts with our scenes that we have in Wayfair so that gameplay shows up where three beacons show up and one of them is only the real beacon that will uh, guide you to Strixhaven you have to figure out which one it is so these beacons have specific counters on them the players have to knock those counters off and figure out which of those beacons is real and then once they do they can progress to the next plot point which uh is quite interesting because uh after they they uh figure out which beacon it is they actually blow it up by mistake and now they're on fire and that's another problem (laughs) they have to solve in the next scene okay okay so is it still you know just describing these beacons thing is it still like your creatures are attacking it yeah, or yeah okay exactly yeah so so in in the scene now of course this is this is a little bit difficult without actual physical aid you know like an image yeah. to show you so i'll try to describe it more so without that where there's a scene card and the card itself sits in the commander zone mm-hmm. uh, the command zone sorry and uh that card will say okay uh if you attack these beacons or sorry if you attack the scrivener you may instead deal combat damage to these beacons or sorry or like remove counters from the beacons okay. and then of course removing the counters will make the beacon get sacrificed if it has no counter on it and then you'll get uh something that will happen depending on if the beacon was to correct one or not and that's always kind of chosen at random at the beginning of the game uh like okay. uh choose which one you know as a secret you know that that type of mechanic so is there any kind of actual role-playing mechanics involved 
in this? Yeah, yeah. We actually encourage, um, and this is this is kind of left up to the playgroup, and this is something that we kind of leave open ended because we don't want to force anybody to play the game in a way where they have to come up with a bunch of role play mechanics. Yeah. Because some people, when they play Dungeons and Dragons, some people just really like the combat. Oh yeah, I've got some of those players. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So we leave that open ended, but we do give prompts. We do give uh, guides for what is going on. The flavor text is very rich. Like it's it's one of our most important parts of Wayfair. We try to put as much flavor text as we can as possible to give connotations for what's going on. The seeds themselves, the scene cards, have little flavor text prompts on them, and they're they're totally new cards and. to describe it to people listening, it's a card that's turned sideways that has a big rules text box for what's going on, gives you the the you know, like the objectives you have to do for that scene. And then there's yeah. like a really nice image of the art and then it has like cool flavor text on it as well. So it's very exciting. It's very different. And everybody that we've had playtesting and playing it has said that they really do feel like they're more involved in a role playing way, even if they're not actually role-playing yeah but just because everything else is, has the trappings now that makes it feel like they're on an adventure okay interesting interesting the um other question i have on um, just more rules based here it, it's so going from the player's perspective you mentioned mm-hmm. you know recommending a pre-con you can do homebrew is it you still have 40 life um it, is it still essentially basically the same rules as commander um, is there a ban list? Anything like that? Yes. Yeah, so uh, to speak on the ban list, we actually do take our ban list from the regular commander rules committee. So whatever they decide that gets banned there is also banned in Wayfair. So, of course, they did recently ban um, Hull Breacher, and that, mm-hmm. of course, is banned here. And that could have been a problem with uh, Wayfair because, you know, stopping the... Uh, Scrivener, who is, of course, the storyteller from drawing cards, would actually make it very difficult for the Scrivener to even give a challenge. So that is yeah, that is something yeah. that we definitely followed up with there. <laughs> uh, but to speak more about uh, changes in life total and things like that, we have modified the life totals. And this is, of course, because the way that uh, a Wayfarer journey progresses, it's much different from just any regular commander game. So uh, week to week, you can play all the different episodes in a Wayfarer journey all the way to the you know the ending that we have prepared. And uh, so we start off with episode one with the players having 30 life instead of 40 life. And uh, the Scrivener themselves will have variable amounts of life depending on how the scenes are set up. So sometimes scenes may make it so that the uh, Wayfarers can't attack the Scrivener as easily. So maybe the Scrivener doesn't need as much health and they can start off with 10 or 15 or what have you. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so then from there, from 30 at episode one, which is what we call tier one as well, because uh, we have different tiers of content. And that just lets you know um, what level your spark emblem should be, how powerful the Scrivener is going to be. It gives you kind of like a difficulty challenge okay. rating to it, kind of like Dungeons and Dragons. And so going from each uh, tier, which all goes up to tier five, from tier one to tier five, uh, you start with 30 life, then you go 35, 40, 45, 50 at maximum. Okay. And is this the sort of thing where you have to start at tier one or can you start anywhere you want? Mm. 
Uh, that is a very good question. That I have not been a- asked that question before, so thank you. Uh, so uh, you could theoretically start at any tier. So, And this is something that we've actually discussed before as well in terms of can other players join in the middle of a campaign, as it were, for Wayfair? And yes, you can. You just would have to adhere to whatever is going on at the time, which, of course, you know, you choose your spark emblem. You have to change your deck based on what the tier is, because... Uh, as the tiers go forward, your deck actually gets smaller and smaller. So it becomes more oh, okay. um, streamlined as the episode goes on. We, we we shorten the deck down from 100 cards at tier 1, regular old commander gameplay, uh, down to uh, 60 cards at maximum uh, at tier 5. So it becomes akin to like a brawl deck where it's very streamlined. You get all the cards you need to do, all your combos and things like that. And just becomes really kind of exciting. Gives that kind of level up feel to your okay. deck as well so, so why why the change in the the deck size uh we wanted to have a kind of experience where it feels like you're progressing as a character in the mm-hmm. storyline so you're gaining power by uh taking out the cards that maybe are redundant from your pre-constructed deck because as as before we built four pre-constructed decks and they're not as optimized that's why you see tons of guides out there always when new ones come out saying like here add these new things to your deck uh and you know we we have a whole system where you take out cards and you put new cards in so you can put in you know extra cards that maybe fit with your commander or work better and as you get closer to 60 you'll start to realize oh these these cards start to make all my combos come together or they work better with the uh, t- uh the spark emblem as it levels up because it also levels up as you continue to progress through the journey is it worth so, so j- just thinking as a commander player is it worth reducing your deck size as you go up tiers can you can you theoretically keep your 100 card deck if you wanted to or you could you could you definitely could i i don't think that's a hard and fast rule for us where you have to go down by cards but uh i do think that just to give you the best chance to fight against the difficulty of what we have prepared we recommend doing that because of course like you like i said before the streamlining helps out with drawing the right cards you need okay Okay, interesting. And, and when you're taking out cards, I mean, just I'm assuming it's still the same deck building restrictions, right? Yes, One of each correct. card has to be in your commander colors. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. So uh, we have two different methods for upgrading your deck. Uh, the first method we're still kind of working on because uh, we have a bunch of like tech people that are in our development group and they're putting together like. Uh, a website to basically booster draft new cards for your deck, which is a very Mm, interesting interesting. way how to create your deck. So uh, essentially what we've done is is we've we've, uh, um, retooled EDH uh, Rec's website so that it pulls cards that it recommends from Mm -hmm. a made page and then creates a booster pack from those cards and then you use those cards to upgrade your deck now you can of course if you have them in your uh collection you can use those you can proxy them it's a casual format so we don't have to really enforce too much yeah Uh, then we have a no draft guide which we have up on our website uh mtgwayfair.medium.com that has just a kind of a guide to like okay this is what you do if you if we don't have the uh, booster thing up or if there's just you don't have anything around like this is your guide how to do that and it's pretty simple where you just take the cards out and put the cards you know as you feel fit the deck so 
So is it recommended to have a sort of sideboard, perhaps, for for decks? Like, like say you have just your pre-con Wayfarer deck, hmm. you know, and I don't know. Like, is that been a thought at all, or? Um, I don't really think there's an, a need for a sideboard or anything like that. So if a, if a general person picks up uh, the pre-constructed deck, uh, they can, of course, see, you know, like the recommendations on the EDH rec website, or, you know, I encourage them to talk with their playgroup that are also playing Wayfair if they're playing with multiple people to figure out what to put into their deck as well. Just kind of get that sort of camaraderie going where people are just talking and figuring how things work out together for their group. Okay. Okay. And another question I have. So let's say, you know, you, you go through tier one through tier five, you beat this campaign um, how, how, how much replay value have you seen out of just all the play testing from going from tier one to tier five and then wanting to do it again? Do, do you, do a lot of people see the value of that or, or, or is it because you sort of know what happens? It's kind of like, eh, get bored. So one of the biggest replay values that come, comes with Wayfair is, of course, you know, you can play with a an entirely different commander deck through the content. And uh, our first release, uh, which is Arcavio Schools Out Forever, has uh, a basic storyline that is pretty linear, where you just play through it all and then you're finished. Now, different things can, of course, happen as you're playing through it. The RNG is still there. You may not even see specific cards that the Scrivener might get during their gameplay that you may see on another run-through. I see. And okay. Uh, one of our biggest mechanics that uh, you know encourages replayability is, of course, our spark emblems, which are specific cards that we've created that give you special abilities that enhance the role playing that you are a planeswalker, that you have these special powers. Regardless of whatever color identity that your commander is, you could have, for example, a you know like a black red deck that has a spark emblem that's a, based on life gain, and maybe there's some life gain stuff that you would want to. Do with that that would help out with the black red deck that mm. uses a lot of life for special abilities and things That's like interesting. that. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So I feel like we've talked a lot about the player side here. Sure. Um, let's get into a little bit about the scrivener, aka the DM here. So so describe what a scrivener would exactly do, what they would need to be prepared with, you know, how many cards are in a deck, um, something like that. Okay. Yeah, so for the Scrivener's side, uh, we have built, of course, you know, our, our own custom cards that go inside those decks. So the cool thing about it is, is we actually started with, when we first doing did the development, was the Scrivener had its own commander-style deck, where it was 100 cards. And we had the different scenes, and it was kind of not working as well as we kept progressing through the scenes, because all the cards weren't really themed to the scene as it were like there were some cards that were themed but they would just kind of all show up in a jumble and so what we did was is we actually broke that commander deck out into four different sections because we have four scenes in an episode and now each different scene has its own initial deck that's part of that 100 card deck so when you take that you just pop it apart and put each different scene uh, deck to go with each different scene and they're usually a mix of our custom cards and actual cards that are from whatever set that we're using with 
Uh, so, for example, in the Arcavios one, we have all a bunch of Strixhaven School of Mages cards oh, that are okay. in there, commons and uncommons, or stuff from like the Commander decks that are also in there as well. And that's mixed in with our custom cards, so that way you get kind of a very thematic feel of, okay, I'm definitely here on this plane with my Wayfarers. There's definitely stuff going on um, that you know shows off that maybe I'm like in the woods. There's a bunch of like woodland yeah. creatures and things like that. So we built it like that for them. Okay, so when you're designing these decks for each scene, does the Scrivener, is there like a deck list that Scriveners should follow? Like yes. if they go to your website, okay. Yes, so so to, uh, to explain, every time we do a release, we give out the images for all the custom cards, so that way people can print them out if they need to. We're working on having a Patreon set up after we're finished with uh the arcavios episode 5 which is very close to completion uh so that way people can subscribe to that and that will allow them to allow us to send them printed scrivener <laughs> uh custom cards which is of yeah. course you know something that we've been asked about quite a lot and uh yeah so uh you'll have those cards uh mixed in with the regular cards and you'll be able to use those to uh battle against the wayfarers Okay, and how many cards are in each scene for for the Scrivener uh, yes. deck? Oh, right. Yes. Also, um, you you were also uh, apologies. You were also talking about the card list. So yes. yeah, uh, we have in addition to those card images that are given out, we have an episode guide, and this guide gives you all the cards that go into every different scene deck, uh, so that way you know exactly what it's supposed to be consistent of. And then uh, you'll be able to figure out what regular strict saving cards go in that as well. So that way you're absolutely sure to know, you know, in scene one, there's 15 cards, right? And maybe eight of them are our custom cards and seven of them are strict saving cards. And you shuffle that up together and then you just play from there. So okay. and they'll have a, a guide for, um, I think, like I said, it's 100. So it's like, I think it's 20. Yeah, no, it's uh, 20 in scene one, 25 in scene two, 25 in scene three, and 30 in scene four for a total of 100 total. Okay, and do Scriveners follow the same kind of rules as Magic players? Do they have to play lands, or can they play? do they play their spells for free, or how does that work? Ah, so this is where we get into the crux of it, which is <laughs> we changed a lot of the rules here for the Scrivener themselves, because just like you mentioned earlier, we do want to have kind of a horde mode to it where things are kind of played a little bit automatically, which gives the Scrivener more chance to focus on the role playing of what's going on uh, during the entire story. So uh, the Scrivener's turn is a little bit different from a regular player's turn. They start their turn by uh, untapping. Uh, if the scene changed, that would actually happen before they're untapping. And then they would go to their upkeep, they'd go to their draw step. They wouldn't draw any cards. This actually is changed because of how the Scrivener does things, which is when they get to their main phase, they can actually cast uh, cards for free from their hand equal to the amount of Wayfarers that are in the game. So if there are two Wayfarers, they can cast two cards from their hand. And their hand size changes based on how many Wayfarers are in the game as well. So for uh, two Wayfarers, they would have a three card hand size. And okay. this is relevant later because after they've cast their cards for free, they've done their attacks for their turn, done their other stuff that they wanted to, they go to their end step and then they draw back up to their hand size. So if they've used um, all their cards okay. in their hand, they go back up to three cards. Okay. And, uh, 
going back to just one more thing going back to your lands uh question so we've created uh a system in there that uh helps the scrivener kind of catch up to the commander's player's power the wayfarer's uh power because during some commander games you know people can snowball right oh yeah we built a kind of catch-up mechanic for the scrivener that's called um infuse that's tied to the lands they play because they don't normally play lands out of their deck they create a specific uh essence land that allows them to do this mechanic with okay interesting what is this essence land Ooh. okay so uh an essence land is a land that lets the scrivener tap for any color of mana that it doesn't allow them to create colorless so they'll have to do it some other way through artifacts or something like that which of course will build into the scrivener's deck as well if need be but uh this allows them to cast anything from their hand in addition to whatever they casted for free that turn um you know but they only put one land onto the battlefield every turn so it's kind of hearthstoney where you're just okay. generating mana every turn and then once they get to three essence lands on the battlefield they can use three of those tap those lands uh not for mana but to infuse either a permanent or a sorcery maybe something they had casted for free that turn and infuse is a mechanic that is uh quoted on a card that will essentially supercharge that card for the turn so it's base effects that gives to every single card regardless if it's custom or not will make it uh haste and uncounterable which is you know very strong already but then if it's say one of our custom cards for uh wayfarer maybe it'll have extra effects like maybe it'll copy itself and you'll have two okay. of those or maybe the creature will get plus three plus three and trample and you know that that might be a problem that the wafers would have to deal that turn interesting interesting so so if i'm understanding correctly the scrivener can cast two cards for free can, they can still cast more cards if they have the mana for it correct yes okay so okay. Yeah, and it, this also encourages the Wayfarers to not have to hold on to board wipes or other specific removal in their hand, which typically can happen in a regular commander game. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the problems we wanted to solve with Wayfarers, making sure that the cards that the Wayfarers had in their hands weren't just useless and sitting there. Interesting, interesting. Now, I, I like that idea. The um, uh, Oh, one other thing, turn order. Um, how does the turn order go? Is it the three wayfarers go at the same time and then the scrivener? Yes. Okay. Yes. So it works exactly like our arch enemy where everybody on the wayfarer side takes their turn at the same time. So they all untap, they all upkeep, they all draw, and they all main phase. Okay. And then Scri- scrivener has their own turn. There right. go. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So I, I guess one of my biggest questions is, you know, how, how did this come to be? Like, like what was the sort of a, uh, you know, brainchild of this. So uh, back back during April, which is where a lot of this uh, brainstorming happened before, you know, really throwing all of ourselves into the development, there was just a conversation had in my personal friend server uh, that's we, we mostly talk about Magic the Gathering there. And one of the things that we were kind of looking at was just like, wow, there's just no kind of way for people to play cooperatively in magic the gathering like there is kind of a way with arch enemy with horde magic yeah i mean like but it's not really developed in a way where it's been really kind of put a lot of effort behind it and there's so many more cards now in magic the gathering that can be used 
to play with this and especially with the pre-constructed commanders that continue to come out that just creates a party of players right there uh that can just start off and, and go from there and you know one of the other things that we thought of that would make it really good to develop is it's actually extremely fun content to watch uh it's kind of akin to watching a dungeons and dragons game and we've been doing this uh weekly on our uh twitch uh stream which is uh, twitch.tv slash the wayfarer guild and we've been having a playthrough of the different episodes that we've released and every single time you know people have been showing up and saying like i don't no idea what's going on but this is incredible entertainment to watch and you know that's just a kind of a good sign knowing that you know yeah. what we developed is just really kind of interesting and fun and um you know that that's another reason why we wanted to build it is we wanted to have a kind of entertainment for magic the gathering that is not available anywhere else so is the goal for Wayfair to stay in Magic the Gathering? Is it the goal to just be a its own separate format? Because it almost sounds like this could be... Like, like just hearing it just off the top of my head, it almost sounds like you could almost spin this off to an entirely different card game if you wanted to. We could, yes. And this is actually a question that has been asked by some other people is like, you could just make this your own game. But there's kind of a merit there in pushing for something that is not available in Magic the Gathering and just kind of making it aware that there's this whole other group of people and it's a vast amount of people. And and my girlfriend is actually one of these where they are very intimidated playing Magic the Gathering because they're not really competitive or if they are competitive they're just kind of scared to be able to get into that competitive mode and you know maybe losing is really hard on them or something like that so offering a way to play together which is something that magic doesn't even really support uh, officially is i think hitting that niche that i really believe that a lot of players are really excited for and you know we've grown uh, initially from just two months ago to over, uh, like close to 2,000 followers on Twitter and just a whole, a whole bunch of interest elsewhere on social media that I really do think that we're hitting, striking, you know, a very specific spot that people want in Magic the Gathering. Okay. No, I, I can definitely see that. Um, there's definitely merit to that. Um, I was just curious if there's been any talk about spinning this off into its own thing and 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 would that even be a future for it too well i i definitely think that you know after we've uh put together you know a lot of different wayfarer content and stuff like that it might be possible to release our own separate game from there uh i do think that for me personally and and i'm you know the one that drives a lot of the the uh development and just kind of awareness of the format uh because you know i'm just really really uh uh what is it uh, uh i've got a lot of plans you know and i just really think that once we reach a specific level with wayfair of, of awareness where um you know i've got specific goals and thresholds i want to hit with wayfair and especially you know like wizards of the coast when tiny leaders was a thing <laughs> uh, for the few the months right for a few months wizards of the coast actually was actively designing cards for for tiny leaders they they came out and said yeah we created um like a card from i, I think it was uh what was it uh conspiracy i think uh leovold i believe was made for tiny leaders as opposed to commander and uh you know hmm, interesting i think that the longer that we remain 
out there and showing people that you know this is a thing that we want to have happen in magic i want to get to the point where wizards of the coast acknowledges that you know there is a market for appealing to people who want to play cooperatively and knowing that there's a way to do that and you know for me personally if we reach that point where they're starting to develop cards for wayfair that is the point where i feel like the the format itself is you know good enough that you know we can make our own game from there if people want to have something that's maybe not in magic the gathering you know to do our own thing and what have you but yeah so so I'm ambitious. well yeah yeah no and, and it's fine to have that um it, it's you know i i'd like that but the the thing that i start to think about is you know we've seen a lot of these flash in the pan formats here um sure. and you know you guys just getting off your feet um for the past couple months it, it's the thing that seems really ambitious about it is just all the custom cards right mm -hmm. it, that seems like a lot of work like a lot of balancing there um how do you like is the plan to make new scenes or, or new tiers or, or i'm sorry if i'm messing up the verbiage here <laughs> um no, you're, for, you're for, fine. For, for for each new set to come out like is there a plan to do an afr one is there a plan to do a zendikar one or is it just one of those all right we finished strict saving now we're gonna do a ravnica one now or something like that or so just to give you a a, a quick backdrop uh we started with three people back in april and we've actually expanded the team to i think now it's close to 10 uh we have for the uh, development we... team Yes, for the okay. development team. So we've 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 brought on a writer. We brought on two, three extra card designers. We've brought on uh, extra rules people as well to make sure that our rules are up to snuff. And yeah, we want to continue supporting Wayfair with every single premier set that uh, Wizards releases. So with Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, we actually just announced last week that uh, uh, our specific journey after Arcavios for Strixhaven School of Mages is Waterdeep, Remnants of a Fate. And okay. we're working on that content right now as we speak, uh, getting the story set up for that and getting all the characters and things. And we we've done the research on Dungeons and Dragons. We've got crisscrossing with the uh, commanders from Adventures in the Forgotten Realms uh, with the adventuring party that's in the actual main set that's going on with that story in addition to our own Wayfarer story. And even from there, we've already done uh, uh, kind of some looks at Innistrad as well. Some, some beginning work on the Innistrad Wayfarer stuff. And I'm really excited on that one, too, because we've actually contacted some artists who want to do specific Wayfarer-only art for our cards for that set, oh, and cool. that is extremely exciting. Oh, that's really cool. Um, okay, that's interesting. Do, do you all... Um, so, how much of the time... Like, Because that seems like that takes up a lot of time, and, and you have a team of 10 people, which is good. Like, Do you have a dedicated person that tries to get more people involved with it because because that's going to be the biggest thing from what i can tell is just getting it out there getting people more aware getting people to try it first of all because as soon as because j just my first my first reaction to it when i saw it, like oh cool you can play commander deck then i saw these custom cards i'm like oh wait i don't understand i, I can't <laughs> like i i don't get it but the way you're describing it and then that intro video it makes a lot of sense Okay. Um, the, the, the thing that 
I worry about is it just seems like there's a huge learning curve for it. Okay, so to address this, and this of course has been asked uh, multiple times by other people as well, especially in our Discord server, which is uh, the learning curve. How does that work? How do we get people into the game? Well, uh, for our team itself, we've actually brought on a social media manager. So this person has been going through and helping us figuring out how to get the word out there with giveaways, contests, and things like that. But uh, on the learning curve itself, uh, you know, we've put out that video that you've watched uh, to give an idea of how things work. We have, in addition to that, front-loaded all of the decision-making and the design work on the Scrivener itself. So the only person who has to learn all of the mechanics or just basically how the game works itself is just the Scrivener, which is So just like D&D. Exactly. (laughs) Just like the Dungeon Master. Exactly. That actually has been a huge boon to the game itself because if only one person has to learn how the game has to work, the other three people potentially that are playing the game only have to show up at the Commander decks and just start playing. And an additional tool that we have as well to go along to help people to play Wayfarer is we have a tabletop simulator mod on Steam that has all of our episodes released thus far. And you can go in there, check out all the cards yourself, see what's going on with that. You can take our guides and figure out how to play the game, even single player if you want to, through that. That's interesting. No, I saw that. I saw the tabletop simulator thing. Um, I've been friends of mine have been telling me for years to buy it i've been so <laughs> so lazy it's um no but that's that's interesting i like that it, it does make sense where similar to D, the dm has to almost know everything but it seems like the scrivener it, it does seem pretty interesting that the actual players the wayfarers themselves are just like show up with a deck and that's it you don't need to know anything else except you know maybe you're reading the card on what it does you don't need to know any extra rules right yeah and that that's that's particularly why we also have a lot of people in our development team that are very good at rules templating so that way people that are used to the way wizards of the coast do their rules our cards will read exactly how you think they should so specific abilities will work the way that you normally expect them to we don't try to do anything that's super crazy uh but we will try things you know here uh as we see fit, depending on, you know, if the content wants it. So, for example, like, you know, in our upcoming Waterdeep uh, journey, we've got this really cool uh, spark emblem, which is, you know, like I said before, it's the cool thing you pick for your commander mm-hmm. that actually mimics the classes that are in Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. And one of the classes that we've kind of built up is the Barbarian. And the Barbarian has a special ability on its spark emblem that puts out uh a new type of card that hasn't been done yet but i'm sure will be done soon which is actually a saga aura that puts itself on one of your creatures and every single turn that that saga ticks up it applies a new ability to the creature that it's enchanted and we kind of you know we play around with things like that we give kind of more of an excitement that and fleshing out of the set that maybe might take three to four to five years for wizards of the coast to come back to no, I, I like that idea of a saga. Or I mean, we already saw a saga land. I mean, mm-hmm. that's it's only bound to happen. That, that's been exactly. one of my new favorite mechanics, uh, or just new favorite card designs in the past couple of years. Sagas have been <laughs> so good. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, it it comes from the mind of Richard Garfield, so you know it's going to be good. Yeah. 
Uh, and, and especially even the new class cards are really fun too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now that's awesome though. I, I like that. So um, do you, do you all see yourselves ever diverging from the commander ban list? Do, do you see uh, any reason you would need to or have to? So as the game continues to grow and we get more feedback and more playtesting and things like that that go on with it, we're going to always keep an eye on things that maybe slow down the Scrivener too much, stop the Scrivener, or things that are kind of difficult that come in from other people's uh, decks. Now, granted, you know, setting it up for the pre-constructed decks makes it easier because we know exactly what are in those decks mm-hmm. and what people upgrade into from those decks are typically not going to be too broken. So we anticipate that if people are trying to play the way the format is built, that we won't have too much problem, too many problems. But, uh, you know, if we have to ban certain things like uh, Atraxa being too crazy, we'll, we'll get rid of that, you know. Oh, yeah, because she was like a, pre- a pre-con. That's right. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So and we, we keep and, our eyes on that. And, and is there any... What about Cyclonic Rift? Does Cyclonic Rift is actually too not good? too bad. Yeah, okay. it's, not, it's not too bad. Now, now um, Cyclonic Rift, of course only brings back uh, opponent stuff so it's not as good uh, in a uh, cooperative setting as it is with uh, competitive and that's another bonus to wayfarer is that other things you might want to put into your deck that are more beneficial for cooperative for example like some of the battle bond teammate stuff actually works extremely well in or, or the because... um the, the battle for zendikar one too the oath Correct. of the gate watch yes the surge mechanic yeah yeah so that sort of stuff that is kind of set more by the wayside by wizards of the coast because they don't have a format that it really fits into we can put it into wayfair uh, i'm also thinking about the assist stuff that's in yeah. battle ball where another player yeah can that one too yeah mana for yeah so that actually helps and we we kind of take those designs and we put them on our own wayfarer cards where we have uh clauses that say other wayfarers can help you pay for this ability right so you can help a person pay for a specific cost or help each other get uh extra health or mana or something like that depending on what the cards allow you to do interesting i like that i like that um do you all have a sort of timeline for how you are wanting or or like i guess like a timeline of growth and and where you sort of see yourself at a year from now five years from now you know sort of like goals that you you all have set yeah we definitely have goals that we're looking forward to do to doing um you know this year is mainly just about getting the content out there building up a library of stuff that people can access to say okay there's definitely uh development going on here and things that you know i want to be sure to play and is supported right because there have been a lot of attempts at this kind of play style before that just kind of peter out and their types of gameplay and i think one of the biggest things that helps us continue building new stuff for wayfarer is by tying ourselves to every premiere release so you know as going forward wizards of the coast is going to release commander decks for every major standard set as mm-hmm. opposed to their planeswalker decks and that gives us an in every single time by having a content release that goes alongside it. You want to go play Wayfair with the new commander decks that have just come out in Innistrad? Yeah, go ahead and take those and, and jump right into our release. You know, that, that happens there. Play with your friends cooperatively and get maybe like another side of the story that hasn't been really explored yet through whatever they're doing for that story there, right? 
Interesting. Um, with 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 in store plays starting to open up and hopefully next year with tournaments coming back, do you all have plans to sort of travel at all a little bit or like try to get the game out there? Because get, getting it all online is one thing, but okay. word of mouth at a tournament would be really beneficial too. Right. So that that's actually another thing that we have done a lot of research on and a lot of uh, preparation for. So, of course, the Patreon will help us by, you know, uh, people subscribing to that to give us more uh, uh, capital to be able to put into physical copies of the cards. Uh, I myself am going to put in, you know, a portion of my own to make sure that I have enough of the printed materials for people. And specifically myself, I, I don't know if the rest of the team has the ability to do this, and I will, of course, check with them as paper play opens up. But we do want to have a presence at say magic fests or big tournament places or things like that where we'll have essentially like a big banner area for people to come over and look and see what wayfair is maybe we'll try to get some of the um you know like the event spaces that are available inside of the uh the hall there where you can have a specific events go or going on where you can show off wayfair episodes to people that want to watch the the entertainment and maybe come up afterward and talk to us about you know what they thought about it and things like that interesting i like that it, it's yeah I, I guess if it goes back to the way let's say channel fireball runs it again right it's i mean you'd have the vendor booths and then right. the artist alley way i mean you should depending on how big it is channel fireball may let you use a table or something but it would definitely be something you'd want to work with their event staff Correct. um they're, yeah. they're also Hopefully, if they do come back, their event staff is a lot better than their old stuff. <clears throat> um, <laughs> not that they were bad. They were just, um, what's the right It could be word? better, I guess, maybe. I, I guess lack of communication was the biggest uh, thing with them. Yeah, yeah, and I can understand that. And, th and that, I think, is just... You know, it, it might be just entirely possible that there are specific people that they want to work with and maybe they just don't have the time to look at everybody, which is understandable. You know, you oh, want yeah. to be able to bring things there that will bring people in, of course, and make it, you know, financially viable for them. Right. Uh, and, you know, uh, the con the different convention halls that I've been to, there's always been a very large space for people to just congregate and do what they want, in, in addition to the own event tables and things like that. And we've got plans for those specific events where um, the, the way that Wayfair is built, we can build specific challenges that people can be, like, timed to go through. Or, uh, for example, one of the things that we want to build for the Forgotten Realms release uh, that we have is like an endless dungeon where you kind of go through it roguelike style over and over until you get to a specific floor and then maybe like if that cool. was in an event setting you'd be able to record what floor you got to and you'd get a prize from it or something that'd be pretty cool that that's almost like the old school uh D, &D where people used to what does it go to gen con and they they they'd race to see who could get through a certain dungeon the quickest right and all right, that exactly. and that sounds pretty similar that'd be that'd be pretty fun i think yeah yeah that that's that's like just kind of a sample of the ideas that we have in place for events to create excitement for wayfair and you know we can do things where we're like giving away uh you know uh packs of whatever were the releases at the time or or things like that and just building a community where people want to play together in the same space that people are playing against each other and i, I feel there's you know room for both 
That's awesome. That's awesome. How's your community in Discord right now? Do you have a lot of active players right now? Uh, we've got a lot of people that are doing playtesting uh, right now. We've got a lot of other people that are also assisting us with uh, spreading the word, uh, helping us with the rules templating if, if maybe we like miss something, like on a card post that we did or things like that. And we always try to make sure to keep that stuff up to date before we release like the final version of it. So yeah, it's been going pretty well. We've got a lot of interaction on our other social media as well. And we're always looking forward to talking with anybody uh, in our Discord. Awesome. Awesome. So I heard through the grapevine from a certain Cardsphere owner that you are working on trying to get a Wayfarer thing going on with us over at Cardsphere. Uh, yeah. Yeah, actually, um, we're always looking for opportunities to work with various, uh, you know, sponsors and or other people that want to, you know, make content with us. We've got, you know, uh, Shivam from uh, Gear Per Gears, you know, like uh, mm -hmm. the, the he wants to do a Wayfair uh, episode with us at some point. And I really think the concept is so interesting to other people that have more of a flavor interest in Magic the Gathering that. You know, I, I really think we're going to be able to reach that sort of level where you know people are just really interested in it. And if, and going back to your comment about Cardsphere, yeah, uh, we've got uh, ideas about putting some articles up on the website. Maybe doing I've some heard. content. I've heard. Yeah, I've heard. <laughs> and I've expressed my interest to a certain Ted. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it would be great to do, uh, you know, like a wafer episode with, you know, either you or uh, Pixie Kitten, I believe, mm -hmm. would be great as well. Uh, so uh, and, and the best part about it is, is you really only have to show up with the commander decks. Uh, I've had, you know, the other people that have played with us on Twitch, they really all they have to do is pick their spark emblem. Like some of my other players, just, you know, they just print it out and they're there. Yeah. You know, that's all they have to do. And they're ready to play. And I use the um, when we do that over spell table, uh, actually, which is quite interesting, is I connect my tabletop simulator mod to spell table so people can see the cards up close. They don't oh, have to nice. worry about nice. yeah, like the, the custom cards not showing up on the reader. I can show all that stuff full screen, full text, everything. Nice, nice. So so when we do this, sh should can I bring my Grand Arbiter deck and just count, <laughs> counter everything? My, my Grand Arbiter control has that, barely any creatures and just approach to the second sun. We had we had one of our uh one of our uh one of our developers that are in our team now who's uh coach J Row on Twitter, uh mm -hmm. Unsummoned Skull. Uh he was one of our playtesters when we first did I think it was episode two playtesting and he brought in with another player uh just an entirely built commander deck that was all about infect and just pumping the infect creatures so the entire time was his creatures kept dying to the scrivener's removal spells but the other players creatures that he kept pulling out he kept pumping them to get through to deal damage to the scrivener and sometimes it just works like that you know sometimes those other weird concepts that you have may or may not work depending on uh how the cooperative uh version of the format works it's an entirely different beast and it's really kind of fun to see what works and what doesn't I, I'd be interested to see how well my one deck Ashaya deck does. So my Ashaya mono green deck, it has zero creatures, um, about 45 lands, and all it does is just animate all my lands and tries to swing and win. Like I ramp as hard as I can and mm -hmm. just have like 40 lands out. I animate them all and 
wow. make them indestructible and then just swing. Wow, yeah. I, I would be really kind of curious to see how that deck would fare against some of the uh, Scrivener spells, because we have some pretty nasty stuff in there. Like, uh, in our episode one, when you get to scene three, uh, let's just say don't have too many lands out. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so uh, it, it's really fun, kind of fun to see what people are doing and how their decks work with every different uh, scene and journey and stuff like that. But one of the other things that I wanted to say, uh, this goes back to a question you were asking about earlier of, of, you know, like, is there choice in a campaign for Wayfair? And actually, yes. So in our original release, you know, it's linear, but in uh, Forgotten Realms, we wanted to have kind of more of that Dungeons and Dragons adventure aspect where... Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, when you go from one scene to the next, you can actually choose which scene you want to go into, and it'll change the outcome of the story by the time you get to the end of that episode. Ooh, and that's kind of a way we wanted to introduce a little bit more of a player choice going on with that. So in your D&D uh, episodes, do you have any relevant dice rolling involved? Absolutely. I mean, of I mean, besides the besides the cards that already do the roll, you know, roll a d20, this happens. Mm. Is there anything specific like up like any of the players like oh you know i need you to do a dice check and oh you failed your athletics check or something <laughs> well we we of course want to make sure that uh the magic gameplay is intact right? yeah so yeah. try not to do things outside of what the cards do so i don't think we'll be having like an athletics check or anything like that uh -oh. but of course I, I, we will yeah. have dice rolls that uh will fit as needed and who knows maybe some of the scrivener cards will essentially replicate that effect of you need to make this dice roll and on the card itself it'll say like if you've got 15 to 20 uh you succeed and maybe this creature doesn't die because they leapt over the trap or something like that it could happen ooh, ooh, all, right, all right here's an idea all right for D D set right so you have um you can do something simple instead of like doing strength dexterity con and all that stuff you do fortitude reflex and will um, sort of like the old school D and D, and your spark card could help you. You know, depending on what kind of spark and commander you're playing. Like, oh, I get this spark. You know, when I hit ah, shit, what what do you call it? The different episodes or whatever. You get a yeah. plus one to your fortitude roll or something, right? And Ooh, then, and then the scrivener, I don't know, does some sort of spell, and boom, you got to roll a fortitude saving throw, roll the dice, and if you fail it, then. I don't know. You can't draw a card for a turn or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we typically try to make try not to make mechanics that are downsides, and this is of course something that Wizards of the Coast does themselves, right? Yeah. We take a lot of our philosophies from them, of course, for, for figuring out what works and what doesn't. And we have um, we <laughs> the interesting <laughs> thing that we have, and this is also really cool too, is because if you're already coming up with ideas for stuff, then that means that we're doing something good because we're expiring, we're inspiring you to make up make content for it. So, um, but yeah, so uh, we could do something similar to that, but like I said, we probably wouldn't do something that has a downside. Um, typically, with our spark emblems, we want to have it so the player feels like they're role playing as whatever they want to be. So, for example, in our what we call our core set of spark emblems, like one of them is uh, 
like called right and it's all about like having the power over life and death mm-hmm. and for forgotten realms we'll probably have like a wizard class and that one will spawn the wizard class card from adventures in the forgotten realms but it'll also have its own level up system on it too that'll do different things you know and it'll give you that kind of feel of like yeah i am playing this wizard i had do have these spells they're going along with my commander you know and and it just makes it really fun that'd be cool yeah i i, I like that um idea so is it the plan to have new different kind of sparks for each set or or expand upon the core ones okay so with our initial release we have what we call our core set of spark emblems these are the Mm -hmm. ones that are going to be available uh all the time granted all the spark emblems are available all the time but for every specific release we're going to try to have at least maybe four because typically there are four new commander decks as well but four new spark emblems that will go with it so that way you can have that more custom feel to what is going on with your wayfarer game that feels like you're on that plane like maybe if you want to play like somebody who's a planeswalker from Innistrad and when we do the Innistrad release maybe there might be a specific uh like artificer um like they they mess with um um zombies and stuff like that like uh what is it uh Geralf or yeah 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 geese and Geralf yeah like that maybe we'll have that sort of spark emblem feel to it or maybe we'll have or like an Arlen Cord one do like Mm -hmm. werewolf something exactly or something that's more feeling like it's vampires where you're getting a lot of life or you're you know killing creatures off for your own benefit right interesting i i like that um now i i know with the way wizards does their releases is you you said just the premiere set so that doesn't count the supplemental sets like the masters the battle bonds the conspiracies Correct. So just as an essential guide, any specific release that has commander decks tied to it, there will be a Wayfair release that goes with it. So um, typically this is going to be just standard decks. I don't think Wizards is going to release commander decks for supplementals yet. They may. Yeah, but they they will. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) They will. Well, Well, heck, and you guys picked a hell of a year to start, too. This is isn't this like one of the first times that we've had five standard sets in a single year because yeah and it's i mean yeah you start out with strixhaven so it's not too bad you're sort of emulating the Mm. four standard sets but man you're gonna have innistrad come out in what october and then oh oh, september holy shit um yeah we're 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 well aware of what comes out when (laughs) um and, and then and then what's the second innistrad set come out in november november yeah oh my that's so, like no time at all that's yeah, like it's innistrad Midnight zero Hunt time in september and innistrad uh crimson vow in november and the cool thing about it for us is uh our wayfair release is actually gonna cover both sets yeah so okay. we don't have to worry about making two different releases yeah, the entire storyline is gonna go over both sets which is perfectly fine because uh uh what we have planned for that we're hoping you know the cards that are released with it will just line up perfectly with what we've got going on and and it looks to be that way just from some kind of hints that wizards of the coast have put out recently oh man i really hope um as cool as it is to have like five standard sets i hope next year it's just back to four because it's (laughs) especially this year there's been so many freaking sets already content tons of content yeah they've released a lot of stuff i I can't even keep up with it like i just (laughs) i feel like i just opened up some modern horizons 2 stuff and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i haven't gotten any D &D stuff yet i I have to wait a couple months 
Um, yeah, that, that's uh, the problem with Modern Horizons 2 is that typically that specific set would have been like a Masters or something like that, yeah. where it would have just been all reprints. But they decided to print new stuff that goes into Modern and also Commander that people want to go after. So it doesn't feel like a regular Master set, and it feels like something people want to buy. And especially because it's got the fetch lands and the tons of other cards that people have been wanting, Cabal Coffers, things like that. Oh, yeah. That set was highly anticipated and highly regarded. Our uh, uh, giveaways for that were so heavily retweeted. I think we reached like a thousand plus retweets and likes That's on our crazy. giveaways for that. It was absolutely nuts. But of course, you know, having those giveaways right when that height of hype came out really helped with awareness of Wayfair in general and giving people the idea that, yeah, like, you know, in addition to getting these sweet cards, hey, there's a sweet new way to play Magic, right? No, that's awesome. Awesome, man. That's just you. You guys got your work cut out for you. I mean, just just in the content uh, developing mm-hmm. part, man. It's um, is there? I I mean, I feel like you almost you all wouldn't even have enough time because it'd be cool for you all to go back and do like for other sets, like you know, Kaladesh, especially Tarkir. You know, even like the original Theros, Ravnica, um, Mirrodin, stuff like well, that. We're we're going to release content every time they release commander decks that's a guarantee is that we're going to have that stuff available and the cool part is is that you know as we go forward wizards of the coast is going to want to return to those planes to give them commander decks to go with it and we're going to be right there alongside it and i really can't wait for in paper events to 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 happen because i want to be there with the rest of the team if we can in full force with just this whole setup that people can play with their newest cards that kind of excitement of like okay i can play competitive and then i can go over here and play like this whole story you know and that would be really exciting for people to see and have happen so so that brings up a question for return sets so innistrad it being returned when you're thinking about designing the scrivener sets is there any thought to using older innistrad cards with it as well too from shadows and the og innistrad Hmm, that is quite a question. And so one of the uh, difficulties we had creating Strixhaven stuff is we only have one set on our KVOs, plus like the commander stuff, and that's it. We have to stretch that across five different episodes, which has been uh, uh, a bit of a challenge, but we've overcome it. We are making sure that we have good enough custom cards that that elaborate on what happens on uh, Arcavios with Strixhaven has been really amazing to set up. We have, like, we, uh, for example, we've uh, expanded on the Auric, and we have short stories about the Auric that maybe weren't uh, available from Wizards of the Coast that are coming from our writer that will come out, uh, you know, showing off the different characters that we created for it and just just building on that lore that may not have been really explored by wizards of the coast and so going into innistrad yes i will say that we will take that whole breadth and depth of all the innistrad sets that have been released and we can cherry pick the things that we want to put into those sets in addition to the new stuff so that way there's a feel of the history of innistrad is available through playing the wayfarer that'll stuff. be cool that'll be cool so every scrivener deck will have snapcaster mage make sure you have lightning bolt you know be like listen here wayfarer scrubs you're gonna get bolt snap bolt all right 
<laughs> yes, may, may, maybe that might happen on on uh, episode five of of Innistrad. Our Innistrad content, maybe that might happen. You'll just have to deal with it. We're just gonna go straight full on constructed deck and, and right. just see, see how people get through it. Right, that, and that would be incredible. Then then get Liliana the Veil, just be like get wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> with and then can't forget the cavernous snow s- s- uh, cavernous souls and then make one, one of the episodes where you know there's just a lot of green creatures like mm-hmm. small green creatures and then they just drop a crater hoof mm-hmm. like get wrecked yeah so and another and that, that actually leads to another interesting point which is when we decide to put cards into our scrivener's decks we actually do look at prices of stuff because we know that if players want to build these things themselves they don't want to have to go out and buy like 100 200 cards, oh yeah oh yeah especially uh, Liliana and snapcaster yeah for sure <laughs> yeah yeah so when we build these things we typically try to go for commons and uncommons and the cool part about it is is that even with commons and uncommons we have ways to like buff them up like for example in when you go into episode three uh it's the start of tier three content and that actually if you're playing a multiplayer will give the scrivener an emblem that makes all your creatures get plus one plus one just a straight anthem to make everything stronger so it will give that feel of the content is getting harder and you have to deal with maybe like you know in episode five these creatures are starting out as like a two one but maybe they have plus three plus three in this episode that makes them a five four already at the beginning yeah so like you have to deal with that and that's the cool part about it is the spark emblems grow in power too so you don't have to worry about it as much your stuff grows in power as the scrivener stuff grows in power so is it your spark emblems level up when you finish an episode correct essentially okay yeah so so the cool part about the tier system is that it always tells you uh what tier of spark emblems you're playing with and also lets you know how difficult the content is so when you go from episode one which is tier one you go to episode two which is tier two and when you go there you'll upgrade your spark emblem from tier one to tier two and then uh, we have another rule built in where maybe my spark emblem in tier one wasn't that great. Maybe it wasn't doing things that were meshing well with my deck. Well, you can switch when you go from tier one to tier two to mm-hmm. a different one that we have available. And that also happens as well in tier four. So that way, you know, if okay. you're still not feeling it after tier three, you could be like, eh, let me switch back over to, you know, justice and let me get the uh, the judicator avatar creature. Yeah. That's like a uh, an angel, you know. Awesome. Awesome. Um, one other thing, and this has always been a pain point for a lot of people in D&D, is how much prep is involved for a Scrivener? <laughs> That's actually a very good question. And the cool part about it is, using the episode guide, all you really need to do is build those decks and get that stuff together, and you're good to go. Because we have written for all our episodes, for at least our KVOs, uh, the story that happens with every single playthrough. So uh, you could, and this is kind of recommended for the Scrimmoner to just look at the guide themselves and not maybe the players, so that way they wouldn't know what's happening ahead yeah, of time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, all you have to do is bring that guide with you. Just take a look at it and say, okay, this is what scene is one is supposed to be about. You can read that out to the players. You can go even deeper if you want to. We've had uh, episodes on Twitch where I've done like voiceover for some of the elder dragons which has been quite amazing um you know like fibble thip shows up out of nowhere which is yeah. always hilarious so <laughs> we've got a lot of cool stuff going on okay awesome awesome so it sounds like overall not that much prep 
Like, like obviously, probably looking over the custom cards and right. sort of understanding the basics of it. But you're not going to need, you know, five, six hours of prep. No, like, right before you not. play. Yeah, and, and one of the cool things you could do, too, and this is what some people do with Magic decks in general, is they kind of, like... Uh, some people I've heard of, I think Loading Ready Run does this, where they take random commander decks, they don't even look at it, and they just they, they just play it blindly, and then they figure out how the deck plays as they go on. You could kind of do that with the Scrivener. You could just take that deck, put it together, don't even look at our custom cards, and then just figure out what they do, because we give you enough time between turns to figure out what cards you want to play when it's your turn. Okay, so... Okay, that makes sense. So I, I think just from what I'm hearing from you, at least from a Scrivener's point of view, a lot of the learning curves is going to be, I, I guess, the turn structure for the Scrivener because it is going to be different. You know, sure. the, the free cards that you can play, the Essence Land, and probably some of the new mechanics that you all have come up with. But overall, it doesn't seem too, too bad. No, I would say... I would say it might be a little bit slow on the first playthrough, but I think just like a regular game of Magic, once you play like once or twice, you'll definitely get the hang of it. And you'll know, of course, like being the Scrivener, these are the only rules that you have to know. The players don't necessarily have to know what the Scrivener does because they, uh, they some of the stuff that the scrivener does is uncounterable so like like the card draws are uninterruptible you can't stop that uh and we've built ways so that the the wayfarers don't have to worry about too much of what the turn structure is for the scrivener they just have to deal with the mechanics deal with the cards that come out play through the story and have more of a casual fun about it so all right so i'm an asshole player right um i'm pissed that hall breachers banned uh, but I instead put, you know, Notion Thief or something, or I'm just gonna I'm gonna be the asshole that shows up with Nekasar, right? Just play sure. nothing but wheels. How sure. how does that affect the Scrivener, where literally every single spell I have is nothing but wheels? I mean, if you wield the Scrivener, that is entirely on you because the Scrivener can play up to as many cards for free from their hand, and they don't have a discard. Oh, they, they have don't no have a discard. Size. Okay. Yeah, okay. they have they have they have a base hand size they they draw up to, but they have no hand size. So okay. they can have okay. up to seven cards, and they can play whatever they want out of it. They just wouldn't draw any more cards until they're below that base hand size, then they go back up. I see what you mean, but um, what about when the Scrivener runs out of cards? Okay, that's a very good question as well. Uh, so, and this is something that people might be interested in as well, in addition to the regular mechanics that you may have to go through to do the scene. Like for example, earlier uh, we talked about figuring out which beacon was the correct one. Mm -hmm. We have, in addition to that, the basic mechanics of kill or mill so if you kill the scrivener's life total they die they come back in the next scene with a revived life total so maybe a specific number that's on the next scene it'll tell you what it is or if you mill them out would they do have a relatively small deck so if your deck can do mill you can just mill them out it'll have the same effect of where you'll win that scene they'll go to the next scene with their life total back to whatever it's supposed to be and then you just continue on from there um, w has there been any talk of sort of discouraging that type of play, like mill or discard or wheel strategies? Because it seems like that would, let's say, like you said, I'm the asshole player, right? I'm gonna, I'm the stupid pub stomper that shows up at the GP, you know, you know, oh, you're playing your pre-con decks, I'm gonna necessar you all out. And, you know, you have two, wayfar two wayfarers that are, you know, playing mill and wheels. 
you know, like to me that almost kind of like kills the fun of it almost where. Well, I mean, this is this is kind of similar to a rule zero, uh, you know, talk that you would have with the rest of the playgroup, which is basically what are you bringing to the table and are you going to try to do these very aggressive methods that are going to essentially go around the mechanics of Wayfair? And that that's kind of that conversation that you would definitely want to have with the rest of the playgroup or even the Scrivener themselves. Like if this person wants to do that sort of method, uh, I would definitely talk them over with it. Maybe you might want to set up like a one-on-one with the Scrivener's so they, they can attempt this uh, uh, form of gameplay and get it out of their system before playing with other people or, or what have yeah. you, you know. But that's definitely a conversation that should be had. There hasn't been any talks of... So I un- completely 100% agree with the Rule Zero thing because that, that needs to happen regardless. Um, mm-hmm. There hasn't been any decision on discouraging that play or, like, banning it, anything like that, or... Well, uh, we haven't gotten too much data specifically on people playing those heavily discard wheel strategies specifically because most people that are actually playing wayfair are playing it with either pre-constructed decks or homebrew decks that don't do it and we don't have too many people playing on that high level that you know we would have to really worry about banning something like that and that's just kind of the nature of the format it naturally draws people that want to play more fair that want to play with specific cards that maybe they don't get to anymore in their regular commander games and that's oh, totally kind of under, yeah totally understand it, it's just i think about the asshole player that shows up you know s- say you sure. you go to an lgs and like yeah i want to introduce wayfarer then you get the the you know fnm end boss who thinks they're god's gift to magic and shows up with you know i don't know well, s- to say mm-hmm. know, what combos to say or the the Selesnia one or something right okay so uh, in addition to that if we wanted to also talk about alternate win conditions or like basically ways to combo off on the table that you know can happen in a high level EDH game we have it built into the rules where if you win that specific way you can't win that way the rest of the entire episode so you can do it once which will get you through a scene but you can't do it again so you can keep trying and and like it just won't it won't happen so we built a way so that you know if a player wants to be that way, they can, but it's not going to ruin the fun for the rest of the Wayfarers on the table. And, you know, maybe after they win that way, the Scrivener starts just putting all their efforts to killing that one player. And, you know, that's entirely their prerogative. They can put all those cards into attacking that player. Remember, the infuse mechanic is there as well. So the longer the game goes on, the Scrivener can just make their stuff bigger and bigger and attack that one specific player. Interesting, interesting. Um, for As a Scrivener... Um, w- without even really knowing any of the deck lists that get involved. So once again, I'm thinking of the asshole player that makes you discard everything, wheel it all. Um, sure. Is Do Scriveners have ways to get stuff back from their graveyard? Absolutely. If, if it's not exiled, you know. Absolutely, yeah. There's actually, we've built in many specific ways for uh, strategies that may work where I'd go to exile this thing or I'm going to put it into your graveyard, then I'm going to exile it so you can't get it. Certain cards that we have that are integral to the scenes have clauses on them that are like if this card would be exiled put it back on the battlefield or if this card would be put into the graveyard put it somewhere else so replacement effects that essentially make it harder for people to do that sort of asshole uh, response (laughs) I know it's the best way I can think of it it's just I'm trying to think of all the ways that 
someone would purposely try to fuck it up because there will be people out there that will that will do it oh yeah yeah i mean there's uh, if you want to kind of relate it to dungeons and dragons there are people out there that try to min max as oh, much God. as possible yeah. and, cheat. and cheat and cheat and cheat and cheat yeah I've, I've had i had to kick out a cheater in my game before like <laughs> out of all the fucking games to cheat in like why D? you don't win anything <laughs> i mean i, I took I totally understand why someone would cheat in magic because it makes sense to me. Like, yeah, I'm going to try to get the extra booster pack at the store or something, right. or I'm trying to get the, the extra money in the, the GP or something. But D&D, come on. Yeah, there's there's no. And, and that, that also kind of translates to Wayfair, too. It's kind of like there is real like the only thing you get out of playing Wayfair is the cooperative fun with playing with your friends, finding out what's happening in the story, which is, of course, very compelling. We, we try to make sure that there's always kind of like a cliffhanger. There's interesting story hooks, um, you know, just the ability to see more of the world is always something that is very attractive to a lot of people. And, you know having that kind of gameplay in our game is really just i don't know it's kind of like akin to that thing i saw on the internet a while back where it's like that whole meme where it was like you know like you've you've cheated yourself you're 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 not playing the game anymore <laughs> there's there's nothing you can gain out of it <laughs> yeah yeah no for real i mean yeah so, so i i totally get where you're coming from it, it's you know People should play this with they want to have a good time with each other, right. cooperative feeling. Right. There's yeah. no no pressure to, especially in Commander, like even though to me Commander is so relaxing, but you know, when you do play that higher power commander, there's always that pressure of oh my gosh, I gotta, you know, make sure I don't, you know, this person doesn't combo off and stuff like mm -hmm. that, trying to stop people forming alliances and right. backstabbing people and all that. So I, I can see where that would be a lot more relaxing um mm -hmm. one other quick question and, and i'm just thinking of the mind of an asshole player is what about something like a knowledge pool lock where no one can play anything no one can play anything hmm. look um i'd have to look up the rules interactions with that specifically because there, there i think we we do have some rules with wayfarer that allow the scrivener to still cast stuff uh, through the knowledge pool, but I, I'd have to look that up. I don't know that knowledge offhand, but I think even if that would happen, we might do like a banning of knowledge pool or something like that. And, you know, I haven't seen that yet, but we're on the lookout for it. You know, if, if interactions like that make it difficult to play the game. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think of anything else. Um, I can't think of anything else. Um, yeah, because the only other cards that really come to mind would be something like Ward of Bones. Because mm. your would your Scrivener be considered an opponent? So and, yeah, so okay. the Scrivener is the opponent. So uh, just like in an Arch Enemy game, any sort of opponent cards will work on them. Okay. And all of your Wayfarers are teammates in the in the rules. Okay. Okay. Because. It, 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 I'd be curious to see what your guys' thoughts are War to Bones and Dampening Engine, where <laughs> essentially those cards don't allow your opponent to play something. Like, War to Bones is, you know, your opponent can't play lands if they have more lands than you. They cannot play creatures if if they have more creatures than ah. you, etc. Stuff like that. Right, right. Um, so ju just at the initial reading of that, uh, when you uh get essence lands you're actually creating them so that gets around that because you're not okay. actually playing them you're creating them uh 
you're creating a copy of them essentially and uh the creature part i don't think it's too much of a big deal during the uh wayfarer games we haven't ever gotten to the point where there's just a bajillion amount of creatures out there are built into the scrivener's decks themselves board wipes and removal and things like that that will target those other creatures and it's typically on a higher level than other commander games that may not have as much interaction okay okay interesting um oh one other question another rules question are the wayfarers themselves considered separate players as well just like you wouldn't like a typical arch enemy game or or even two-headed giant yes so if you're referring to if like maybe for example in adventures in the forgotten realms if somebody would go into a dungeon do they all go into a dungeon no each player can have their own dungeons so, okay yeah it works just like that okay and okay cool uh just curious on that um trying to think of any other rules based questions or anything like that it's i can't think of anything um <laughs> Has there been anything, I, I guess, in terms... Well, have, have you all mainly just been playing pre-con decks? Or has there been... Have you guys tried higher-powered EDH decks to see how well it does? J just for playtest purposes? or? Uh, so we've had people play with some of the high-powered stuff. And they've basically come away saying that, yeah, I can basically power through stuff pretty easily. Which is entirely fine if you want to power through that stuff with a higher power deck that's that's totally fine but if you're going to play with a multiplayer group i would definitely recommend you know talking to the group and seeing how things are working you know having that discussion and seeing what's going on but for the most part all of our playtesters are more than happy with playing with pre-constructed decks or homebrew decks that are on the same level especially that we've seen as a trend is uh for the specific releases people are actually very interested in playing with the commander decks that release with that specific release mm -hmm. and being on theme as it were so for example on our twitch uh streams that have been having every week uh one of our players finnegan has been playing Ozgear, who is of course one of the commanders from strixhaven just to be kind of on theme and you know that's kind of something we we're shooting for and it's really kind of cool to see people take that into account okay um when you oh shoot what was i gonna ask um wow i completely blanked out there so yeah the, the pre-con decks um certain power oh yeah that's right so in your play testing that you've done what do you consider even though it's made for pre-con decks, I, I'm just thinking of players who don't want to play pre-cons or anything. What ha, have you guys thought of? What is? How do you determine if a deck that you have is too strong? That's just going to make everything too easy. Like, have have you guys thought about that power level? Like, I hate to use the word power levels because it's, you know, it's so subjective there. But at least for this, it seems like you be able to gauge it a little bit better since. You, you, the Scrivener knows exactly what's in each deck and all that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, no, that's a very good question. And uh, I would say, and this is something that, you know, we don't have as a hard and fast rule. We don't have any specific uh, guidelines for it. And, and maybe we will, uh, you know, as, as the game gets bigger and more people ask about it, like yourself. 
Uh, but any sort of deck that has a lot of combos that they can just combo out and win the game, that might be a little bit too strong for a Wayfarer game because uh, maybe you'll win through Thassa's Oracle and you'll go to the next scene from there and then maybe the next one from there might be some sort of other alternate win con or infinite damage to the Scrivener or something like that. And, you know, those decks are a little bit too strong for Wayfair, and I would say maybe don't play those. Now, for example, we've built in some rules where you can only win once that specific way. Uh, so you can only Thassa's Oracle once. You can't just keep repeating it after every scene. Um, but if they have but, something like Lab Man and then the, the Jace one right. two and right yeah they could they could do it multiple times in yeah. from different cards yes so i would say maybe don't play that there unless you want to <laughs> like go through the story as fast as possible which i mean like i said before is entirely up to you and that, if that's what how you want to play it we're not going to dissuade that it's just being respectful of the other people who are playing that maybe want to play with their own deck might be a conversation you want to have Oh, totally understand. I said, oh, another quick question about Thassa's Oracle here. Sure. All right. So you say that uh, someone can't do it in the next episode. Is that only for that specific player? Let's say three players all bring Thassa's Oracles because they're all assholes, right? Right. <laughs> um, well, I mean, that specific player, the way that we have the rules written right now, that specific player cannot win with that specific combo so the other the two can episode. do it for the, the other two could do it yeah so if you want to like <laughs> speed mode through an episode and have everybody run the same deck more power to you like it's entirely if you want to skip all the mechanics go for it you know and see how far you get because i mean some times in some of our episodes you can't win through those mechanics or yeah uh like the scenes themselves will have on it saying like you can't mill the scrivener or something like that so we've we built some of those kind of uh ways that force the player to play the mechanics and you know some people might like that some people might not oh, interesting now it's not that i would ever suggest that way of play it's just i'm trying to think <laughs> of every single type of magic it. player that would just you know because there'd be people that are going to do it um and i hope i hope from my responses that it at least looks like that we've done some thinking on this <laughs> yeah yeah for sure um oh you know there there is another type of card that i'm curious um what about can't lose or can't win cards mm, very interesting so of course you know those cards while they're on the battlefield they do as they intend which is uh, I mean, the Scrivener never is supposed to win, just like the Dungeon Master is never supposed to kill the, the, the yeah, party group. I mean, but it happens. It happens. Yeah. It happens. But uh, especially in Magic, uh, there's a kind of... Uh, and this is what Wizards of the Coast also does themselves. They want to always minimize feel-bads as much as possible. It happens with all their design now where you can even see with the latest forgotten realms they put up a design blog where they talked about the roll mechanic they could have done a thing where rolling was giving much more variance and then they had the bright idea of like oh what if we give you the base effect and then we give you a roll that gives you an additional effect and then it doesn't feel yeah. as bad if you roll something bad and that's kind of what we do in wafer as well we, we make the mechanics strong 
we don't make it so that it's overwhelming for the player. Uh, this is something we had to, to get used to when we developed the first episode, which was where most of our design uh, paradigms came from, where we had that second scene I was telling you about where the player was on fire. Uh, we had it so that it kept exponentially getting higher, and eventually the players were taking like 12 damage a turn. Uh, oh, like shit. there's no way they could stop it yeah it was it was it was absolutely crazy and we had to put a limit on it we had to change how things like that work now it's challenging but it's not overwhelming and that's the, some of the things that you have to take into account when you're making wayfarer stuff okay so all right so basically you, you all try to design mechanics to still have the scrivener be able to do something correct right? Okay, Correct. because mm -hmm. just like in a normal EDH game, if you lock everyone out, it's pretty much not fun. Right, exactly. We try we try to minimize the way that unfunness happens in the game. And it being oh, yeah. a casual format, uh, we don't foresee too many people just trying to spike it, as it were. I mean, Yet. It, yeah, because a lot of people right. play casual edh and then they're like mm. i'm gonna drop my you know casual gaia's cradle with you know thespian stage and merit lage and you know get, get, play 50 lands a turn like oh, that doesn't right. seem pretty casual to me <laughs> casual to them of course yeah, right? is not going as hard as they normally do yeah i get it yeah and there's different and of course it's all subjective to different people and you know that that's of course right back to that conversation that you should always have no, I like that. I like that. I I feel like j just from what I'm hearing, it sounds like at least me. I would only want to play this with pre cons, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe a slightly upgraded pre con, like nothing sure, too crazy. Um, yeah. But no, it, it sounds interesting. It sounds fun. It sort of does scratch that D and D itch because I've been designing uh two D and D cubes to um really be played uh more traditional magic like uh, i've got a player's cube which has like all nine D, &D classes in it that you can sort of draft together and then i have a monster's cube which only cool. one or two people should draft that like either do an arch enemy style or like a two-headed giant style and essentially it's the monster cube is technically stronger than the player's cube, but the player's cube, there should always be at least two to three players against the monster's cube, but it's played in an arch enemy style though. It's not n no special mechanics or anything like that. So th that, that to what you're describing sort of scratches that role playing itch of fusing, you know, D and D and magic together. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the biggest things we wanted to have with it is, like I said before, is that kind of feel where, you know, as Commander continues to grow and there's more cards released it and the format continues to get faster and faster or more cards continue to get pushed out, where people may kind of yearn for those days of Commander 2014 or various, you know, decks that they put together then, this gives them a way to bring those decks back out, pull that deck back out that has like, you know, some more battle cruiser stuff in it, stuff that's like six, eight mana, stuff like that. You're allowed to play that in Wayfair. It it will do things to help you progress right. in the scene. You get to play with that big uh let, let's say like the um what is it, the, the Parhelion from uh War of the Spark, right? That's yeah, like eight yeah. mana artifact. You get to play with that if you want to. You know, yeah. that that will yeah. still work here. 
No, man, that makes me miss like some. It, it makes me miss some of the old school Commander because I I still love Commander. I, I love that it's more popular than ever, and I, I I just hate that even playing casually, you still feel like you need to build your decks a lot stronger <laughs> than what they used than what they used to be. It's like gotta have that dockside distortionist. <laughs> I know, right? And it's like, oh, that's totally <laughs> casual. And it's like, yeah, this is the casualest is card it? ever. Darkside Distortionist, right? Is you know, it though? Just spend $60 and put it in your deck, right? <laughs> right. And it's, there's some people out there, it's like, oh, I don't play competitive EDH. And it's like, okay, so you just like turn one, you know, combo off or something, you know, like, right. what is this, they'll, Legacy they'll, Storm? <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll turn one, um, put out uh najila with uh jeweled lotus right and they're like this is my casual edh deck this isn't my try hard deck and you're like mm-hmm. wow yeah, okay sure, i'm sure. about to get comboed out here <laughs> right yeah. so we've we've got that fit in wayfair where if you've got that lower powered deck that you've wanted to play with those commanders that you really enjoy you know it, it's there for you and just like you said before commander is only getting more popular it's be it's the most played format of magic in general most people that get into magic now are playing commander first which is why they continue oh, to make crazy. those commander sticks yeah it's it's wild isn't it, it, it? it's as great as commander is i still feel like that is not a good format to start in <laughs> and, and, and i i just mean like i feel like standard and booster draft are a lot better entryways into magic because you start off with generally a lot lower powered cards and you under I feel like you understand a lot more of the mechanics of the game before diving in commander because y- y- you know you get your friend into commander and you know you- they get a precon you don't have when you're like oh you know I've got my you know $2000 deck that has all these cards from you know 20 years of magic that, that- that's going to be too overwhelming for them right yeah it- it- it's definitely going to be kind of overwhelming for them and uh- like i said that's why i really do feel like especially starting up now with wayfair is providing a way that people can now and of course you know people and i've seen people start up with you know like there's like a commander old school commander format that people are putting together where you play with those older cards but having a way that feels less intimidating like you were referring to Mm -hmm. because you have to keep up with how commander is right now having a way that you can just kind of bring whatever you want to the table experience the story play with the cards you feel are personally flavorful or central to how you like to play the game and not really having to worry about well do i have to counter this stuff do am i playing enough interaction am i doing all these things that are making me feel like i can do something in the game and not having to worry about mana screw or anything like that like this is this is a way for us to be able to serve not only that group of people that want to play that way but also people that are intimidated playing competitive style right exactly exactly uh, how many players how many wayfires wayfarers can there be uh, so we built the format to be uh, single player, so you can play it yourself, just by yourself, playing the commander deck and the scrivener at the same time if you want to. Okay. Uh, you can also be the scrivener yourself and then have one other person, and then you can go up to three uh, wayfarers that you're playing uh, with while you're playing as the scrivener. So four total, just like any regular, regular commander okay. pod nowadays. And we wanted to make sure that that was translatable easily to that format now does it sort of start to unbalance things if you go above three players 
it does a little bit. I will definitely agree there that that will happen. However, we have built in to the format um, a scaling mechanic. So almost every single time something happens in the game, it will say for each Wayfarer. So that way, if there are more than three, uh, it will always try to balance itself based on how many there are. And okay. we really don't recommend going past three because the games will take way too long if you do so. <laughs> so, so what is an average game like? So, so you mentioned like different episodes, different scenes. So, is it you just so let, let's say you know I get together with my friends, we want to play Wayfarer for the night. Um, mm-hmm. Would we just play one episode? Like, is that going to be enough to satisfy that game that night of gaming, or or do we need to go through all five episodes? So we built Wayfair to be a essentially kind of similar to a Dungeons and Dragons session where you get together, you want to play through the story. It's probably going to take you anywhere from two to four hours to play through the entire uh, episode because each episode that's just has one episode, scenes. right? Yep, that's okay. just one episode. So we built it that way. So you have, if you want to get your play group together and be like, okay, let's go through this whole journey together. This this week we'll play episode one. We'll try to beat it, and then we'll next week we'll play episode two. And you have that kind of um, setup that's akin to Dungeons and Dragons, where you're feeling like you're moving through a story all together. And okay. you know, if you don't want to play through the story, if it's harder to get people together, that's totally fine. And of course, if it's still even harder to be physically together, we got that tabletop simulator mod. Get your yep. get your friends together and get in there. So that'll be great. Okay. Okay. And um, is it recommended if you and your friends play to finish an episode every time you play, or is it okay to do a few scenes and then stop there, then pick it up? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is totally fine to do a few scenes and stop there and pick it up later. Uh, This is something that hasn't been actually asked too much, but uh, just even thinking on it, the way the scenes are set up, you could literally just start, uh, let's say, uh, on scene three, which would probably be like maybe like an hour or two hours into the episode you could just start on scene three have every player start with like say four or five lands out and just go from there and it would totally be fine to jump into the the if the scrivener has no lands or creatures out at all anyway at that point then it's not really much of a big deal and you can just continue on as normal okay okay interesting i like that um so it, it does sound like a D type session where just pick up and come back to where you're at i like that um with magic cards (laughs) yeah no um so god it's just so much information being processed right now with it 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 sounds really interesting um i really hope that you know you get together with ted and we try to work something out here with some of the other cards for folks because i i I am interested in playing i have i do have a few pre-con decks um i've got the the Strixhaven isn't one. And then I have some of the Ikoria ones as well, too. Safai, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I, I'm sure you probably have Gavin or Gavi. I'm sorry. Uh, or or uh, some of the other ones, like uh, Trimi, I think, maybe, is from Ikoria as well. I, I've got... Yeah. um the, the only one that I have put together that's still... I'd say a slightly upgraded pre-con is Cathril. Okay. The, yeah, the, yeah. the one that has all the counters and all that. Ooh, the the that lifelink, the indestructible counter. It's the, the only upgrades I did was I added the Triome, I added mm-hmm. Emergent Ultimatum, mm-hmm. and God, I think I can't remember what else. It wasn't like a whole lot. Like I barely right. changed the deck. 
Well, that would be kind of interesting to play, I think, if you would play with the counters one. Um, you might want to play with uh, our core set spark emblem, which is called Courage, uh, which that spark emblem is entirely about bringing out this specific creature because uh, they all bring out avatar creatures that do different things. And Courage is, is called, um, I think it's like the Intimidator. And uh, it will always have its power equal to whatever creatures are attacking. So like if the Scrivener is attacking you, its power will go up. If you're attacking with creatures, its power will go up. But the Courage uh, ability on the Spark Emblem itself, not on the creature that it creates, is kind of what we uh, built similar to like any other game that has like tanks in it, where it taunts creatures. So mm-hmm. it will choose a creature that the scrivener has and that creature must attack you that turn which of course you can use your avatar to block with because it gets bigger based on things attacking you or you can use your other creatures and that might be really fun to use Ooh, that could be cool get my cathrol where it has indestructible double strike mm. hexproof vigilance yeah haste <laughs> yeah so it could be, like, be a prime blocker yeah right yeah i like that um has there been one last question and then I've got something for you. Um, sure. uh, has there been any thoughts to how these sort of games interact with a lot of the older mechanics of magic? Ooh. Like, like you know, you got banding, rampage, phasing. Um, I'm talking like some of the old shit, like, like the, oh, the, yeah. the land walk stuff. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. Like, Landwalk is going to be kind of interesting because essence lands don't count as any land type, so y- that yes, might be a, so, might be a problem. So, and then it, just like a lot of those old mechanics there that I'm sure there's way more that I just can't think of. Well, I mean, you know, if they ever go back to like Ulgratha or something and have commander decks there, I'm sure we could put in some really crazy mechanics from the homeland set or something. Right. <laughs> so hey. we're always kind of on the lookout for what works in our uh, journeys and the cards that we that we create custom, right? And so sometimes we'll have cool stuff like Rampage in there or, you know, we are also using phasing. Uh, as Wizards of the Coast is also using for some of their abilities. Yeah, because they cards that do that too. It's starting to slowly come back. I've noticed. Hell, even Storm came back in Modern Horizons too. Like, what the? Fu- I thought we'd never see Storm again. I think we have a Storm card in one of our episodes. Now that you mention it. <laughs> yeah, it's like I. I thought I thought Mark Rosewater said like, no, we'll never use Storm again. Well, apparently mm-hmm. not. Um, one of the cool things that we also do with our journeys is we design, so most of the cards are literally unable to be used outside of Wayfarer, and the cool part is, is we've got them all with the Wayfarer uh, watermark, so that mm-hmm. way you know at a glance this card is a Wayfarer card, right? It's got the logo on it. And But sometimes what we do is we want to give a little bit more excitement to the players playing Wayfarer. Sometimes we make specific commanders that don't have Wayfarer rules on them that, you know, if your playgroup's okay with it, you can take that card out. Maybe it's like a crucial new character that we've come up for the plot that you want to play with because you're such a fan of Wayfarer and you can talk to people about it. And we've got one of those cards already. That'd be cool. Um, Before we start wrapping things up here, it's it's going to be almost two hours like soon. I can't believe it. Um, <laughs> the um, Is there anything I didn't think to ask that you want to mention anything about Wayfarer? Because I tried to feel like I tried to ask as much as I could. To, to, no, you, you did a really to, good to at least get the listeners, even myself, because you know, watching that intro video and um, just reading a little bit on the website, it just mm-hmm. still have so many questions, right? Because it's sure. I mean, it's a new format and it's extremely different way to play Magic, at least for the Scrivener, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. So is there anything that you want to mention that I didn't bring up or you can think of? <laughs> well, I, I think I think one of the things that uh, we did not go over in terms of just in general info over the game itself or the the, the format itself were the uh, the spoils deck, the item cards that you can get. Oh, I forgot is, all about that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a total it's a total new mechanic to the game. It's not super crucial to the game it brings an additional flavor feel to the world itself and makes you feel like you're kind of there because the items typically will be kind of flavored to whatever is going on on that plane Mm -hmm. of existence and uh so uh for the base set we've got uh and the, the spoils deck just to explain to the listeners is a deck that the scrivener has next to them that's 20 cards it's all shuffled up before the game starts and the scrivener uh will have that and then the wayfarers will uh trigger an action called uh loot the spoils which is uh kind of like venture into the dungeon it's mm-hmm. a, a phrase that will do something and so looting the spoils is uh taking the top card off the spoils deck and casting it it's typically right now in the core set uh, an item artifact which is it has a new super type called item and that super type item means essentially it's kind of like a legendary card we wanted to make it kind of like legendary but not Mm -hmm. with the word legendary because having every item be legendary seems kind of redundant so making it an item means that all the wayfarers can choose who gets control of it when you've cast it so that way you know if certain person needs this they can get that item uh, but like legendary creatures or any other legendary permanent, you can only have one of them out. And uh, if you loot the spoils, say, twice, and you get um, something like the uh, Collaborative Curative or Black Blade Origin, right? You have to pick between one of those two that you want to keep uh, and determine, like, will I get better use out of, say, a potion versus having this cool sword? And that gives an extra little gameplay layer that can assist you in combat versus the Scrivener. Awesome. So, I mean, sort of like um, just finding loot, finding treasure like in, in a dungeon. I like that. Correct. That's exactly. pretty cool. Yeah. Is there anything else I missed? Or I do believe that was the only thing that we did not talk about. I, we've talked about all the Scrivener rules and we've talked about what the Scrivener does. Yeah, that's basically it. Awesome. So so I know that you guys are all on Twitter um, and you mm-hmm. stream, what is it, once a week? You try to stream? Yeah, we one- typically try to do Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard okay. Time. Uh, that will be our playthroughs of our different episodes. Uh, future streams beyond Thursday will, of course, be arranged based on whoever else that we can get available to play. Like, for example, our first major stream we had was on a monday with mana curves and jake and joel or mtg and they were Mm -hmm. able to play that and that was extremely popular people really enjoyed watching that um so yeah uh whoever we can get available to us we'll always set those out we'll we'll announce when those streams will happen in addition to you know our giveaways and things like that that go on awesome well count me interested in it and um i definitely want to try it out um so is there any other place on social media where people can find you like instagram facebook reddit tiktok wherever else <laughs> okay so uh just to go down the list um specifically for me uh being ashadon uh you can find me at riptide pro lab that's my main twitter account that i do all of my 
personal tweeting from. Uh, this was, of course, my main account when I was running the Riptide Project Laboratory. I've switched entirely over to Wayfair development because it's something that I really want to do uh, and you know throw myself fully into. Uh, but for Wayfair itself, you can go to mtgwayfarer.medium.com dot com for the articles that we'll have it always has our announcements of future content the uh release articles for every episode that release which gives you the guides the images more um you can of course go to our discord which is in our twitter uh bio which our twitter account for the wayfarer guild is of course at the wayfarer guild uh, on Twitter, uh, mm-hmm. and then various permutations of that you can find uh, on Instagram at Wayfarer Guild. You can find us Twitch.tv.com/slash/TheWayfarerGuild. Uh, any other place you can just you can think of to find social media, we're there. And okay. then of course we have our own subreddit, which is uh, Reddit.com/r/slash/MTGWayfarer, and you can go there and see all the spoilers we have for upcoming content. Nice. Other various cool things you can talk about with the wayfarer community there as well awesome well all those links will definitely be in the show notes below um just so people can easily access it uh thank you so much for coming on and just uh chatting with me about wayfarer here it's um it sounds like a very ambitious and very interesting format um and i hope you all like have nothing but success and because i'd like to see another format succeed like this right it's not that commander modern legacy and all them are bad or anything it's just that's one of my favorite things with magic is there's just so many different ways to play it and i think that's why it's kept the longevity as long as it has because there's people like yourself and your whole team that are trying to develop something that you know it has potential i think right right it's just getting the word out yeah, and that that's another thing that I think really sets us apart from other people coming up with other formats, you know, that are just competitive. It's a cooperative format, and that's the biggest strength that we have that sets us apart from everyone else. Oh, definitely. No, it's interesting. All right, well, um, thank you again, Ashton, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, like I said, uh, listeners, uh, all the links will be in the show notes below. Um, thank you again, and I hope you have a great night. All right. All right. Great. Thank you. Everybody, thank you all for listening and watching there. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, Wayfarer sounds very, very interesting. You know, I want to hear your thoughts on it as well, too. You know, send them either below in the comments or shoot me an email or let me know on social media somewhere because it sounds very promising and it sounds interesting. It sounds like there's a lot of, I want to say, a huge learning curve for the, the Scrivener player. It sounds like there's a bit of a learning curve, but at least for players that you're trying to get interested in it, they just come with a pre-con commander deck or a lower-powered commander deck and then just play from there. And there's nothing else they have to know. Um, So thank you again, Ashton, for coming on the show and uh, really appreciate talking about it for, wow, I I hope I, I picked your brain like crazy and hope you didn't mind me asking all the questions there. But... I enjoyed it and I hope you all listen, you know, enjoyed it as well too. And hope you all have a great night. All right.